Happy New Year, if I haven't wished a Happy New Year already. We are into 2024. January. Everybody loves January, don't they? It's not a favourite month of the year, like. It says, you know, where you don't get paid to January the 76th, that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So anyway, but January kickstarts the year. We're delighted as we start the year up. It says we finished last year with a real bang with the Christmas project that we did. And we're now into the new year, the first message of the new year. And we'd like to bring us a challenge, uh, something that, that gives us a goal for the year uh, as a church. Uh, we have a vision for the church, which is the invitation. Uh, we, we presented it back in 2022 and it runs for three years and you know I keep coming back to it because that, that's what you do with the vision it says it helps to keep the church on track it gives us a reason to understand why we're doing what we're doing uh, the invitation and I just want to advertise something quickly just before we start because this ties in with, uh, with the vision and not this Tuesday night but next Tuesday night uh, we're doing an event called Serve and what we want to do is we want to invite everybody who's serving somewhere in church or everybody who's thinking about serving somewhere in church or people who don't serve anywhere in church now you'll fall in one of those three categories so basically we're, we're inviting everybody and stuff so we would like to invite you along because we want to share with you uh, what we do as a church but also what we do as charity as well give you an update on the charity but also the main reason is to we would love to get people involved in, in, in stuff says we can't do what we do unless people are involved uh, and that so we're going to be listening to different people share some of, of the new stuff that's going to be happening but also some of the stuff that's going on uh, that, that people are involved in that are looking for people to get involved with so that that's not this Tuesday night but the following Tuesday night. it's going to be a great night and listen if none of that inspires you we're going to get Domino's pizza at the end Woo! I can't believe I'm getting a round of applause for Domino's pizza but not the calling of God. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Okay, no, it's uh, that's uh, none of that inspires you. Uh, so as we talk about the vision and the work, how you can get involved and stuff. It's part of the vision of the church, the invitation. I, I believe we are presented with an invitation to get involved uh, and serve. Uh, the word ministry, which we often hear banded about many, many times, uh, often can give the sense of something exclusive that we think it's just for a few people to do ministry as a sense. They're, they're the ones that are in ministry or they're the ones that do full-time ministry. And, and actually, the, the word ministry actually means to serve. Uh, and the church has been created for everybody to serve, everybody to minister. And the responsibility of us as the leaders of the church is to help people to find their place where they're going to serve. Uh, and so we don't believe that we, we just sort of, we want you to come along. We're, we're, we're happy with that if you would like to do that, just to come along and, and take a seat with the rest of us. That, that's one of our sayings here and stuff. But really what we would like you to do is not just to take a seat with the rest of us, but also like you to find a place to serve and also get involved in something that is going on in the church. Because we simply believe this, there is, there is a world that needs to be won. There is a world that needs to be won for Jesus Christ. And you know, know all the good stuff that we have going on in church, it is for a purpose. It is to reach people uh, with the greatest message the world has ever heard. 
Uh, and so whether we do that through the baby bank or the kids and the youth work or anything else that goes on uh, within church, that's a responsibility uh, of all of us. And in our vision, uh, we wrote these words uh, to, to help you. It says everyone has a part to play. Everyone is welcome to attend, but there is an invitation for everyone to get involved and become part of the work we are doing. We want everyone to find their place to serve. Uh, and so that's the challenge we threw out uh, way back in 2022. We're following that up now with the invitation. It says if 2024 is about anything for us as a church, we want to present as part of the vision the invitation to get involved, to inspire people to move from the audience to the army, which is really what tonight's thought is about, to move from the audience uh, to the army. Church isn't about you or me. He said many people come to church just looking to receive, uh, not necessarily looking to serve. They attend, they come in, they find a seat, they listen to some songs, they hear an uplifting message, and they go off home again. And that's not always the fault of the people that, that do that. That's often the fault of us sometimes as leaders, as a church, because we have created that environment a little bit. We want people to come along, we want people to enjoy. Church, if nobody came to this tonight, we wouldn't put it on. But we put it on because people do come to it. And so, but we want to move on from that. We want to move on in the sense of you're not just people coming along, but finding a place to serve. Because when God takes hold of a person's life and gives them something to do, it's the most amazing experience in the world. 31 years ago, tomorrow, in Dumbarton, which is outside Glasgow, which is in Scotland, is in. He said, on a Saturday night meeting, my life was changed forever when I gave my life to God. How I got to Dumbarton in Scotland is a whole other story for a whole other time, but I ended up there. But that's the most important thing and stuff is that God did a work in my life. Now, the important reason that I'm saying this is because it's a journey that I have been on, that others have been on, understanding that we're not just saved in a sense because it gives us the ticket to heaven and eternal life. We're saved because God has something for us to do. And you may look at it and say, but I, I, I'm not very able, I'm not very gifted, or I'm not very talented. Neither am I, as some of you know. As most of you know. Actually, as all of you know. But when you make yourself available to God, he does something in your life because often we have got it confused and the wrong way around about what God wants to do with each and every one of us. And you've heard me say this before, there are no great men and women of God. There are only men and women of a great God who takes hold of a person's life and he turns them around. He turns their life around and he gives them something to do. And 31 years ago, tomorrow, January 8th in 1993, as a very, 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 very young man, very young man, very young, he says, God took hold of my life. He says, went off to Bible college. And I thought to myself, and I remember before I went to Bible college, I remember thinking to myself, I don't just want to be one of these church people that comes along, sits in a seat every Sunday, and then goes back next Sunday to sit in the seat. I thought, if this God stuff is real, God, would you do something in my life? He says, I'm not particularly able, didn't have much talent or gifting, didn't have any actually, but I said, Lord, if you would do something. I remember sitting in a meeting, 
uh, and it was like a missionary meeting to go to Uganda and I didn't know where Uganda was but God did something in my life that I just volunteered. I just saw, no, that's me. Not because I wanted to go to Uganda, because I didn't know where it was. Had I known where it was, I probably wouldn't have put my hand up. But I didn't know where it was, but I knew that God wanted to do something in, in my life. Not because I had much to offer him, but simply because I thought, this can't just be about filling a seat. This can't just be about doing the religious thing or the Christian thing. And I thought to myself, God never sent me to the jungles of Uganda. He sent me to the jungles of the Shankill Road. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, just as I went off to Bible college, uh, and, and I've said this before, but I know some new people, so it's here, and I thought, God, I just want to do something for you. I just thought, you know, listen, not, not blessed educationally, not great intellect, but I just thought, God, I just want to do something for you. And I thought, wherever it is that you send me, I will go. And Bible college, 28 years ago, 29 years ago, I met Athena, and she was from Belfast, and, and I thought, when I came over to Belfast, and I realised uh, not only was I, was I falling in love with Athena, That's my one nice thought about my wife from the front, okay? She says, I never say anything nice to her from the front. So I've said it nice to her from the front. And, and I remember coming down Belfast Lock on the back of the, remember the sea cap ferry? Some of you are certain age, you'll remember it. And I sat out the back of the sea cap ferry. It was 1996 and England were hosting the European Championships. And there was a song that they used to sing, and they still sing it now. And you all know it, don't you? Come on, all together now, after three. But no, it's, it's, it's coming home. And I felt God say to me, he said, you're coming home. And I thought, I'm not coming home, this is Belfast. I'm from Birmingham in England. And some people in Belfast don't like people from England. So I didn't feel like I was coming home. But I just felt God had dropped something in my heart to say, you're coming home. And I thought, what does that mean? And you know, I now know what it means. It was a calling of God on my life. And I thought to myself, no matter what I had to offer, but it just this availability that just said, uh, from that point, I knew that God had something that he wanted me to do. And in June 1998, landed here permanently, 25 years ago, and I've been here ever since. And I'm sure I'll be here for a lot longer. Some of you, that encourages you. Some of you, it doesn't. <laughs> because when God takes hold of a person's life, he does something amazing in them because he has a work to be done, but he has to work through a worker. And so we have to be the workers. And what we've got to stop doing is looking, oh, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any ability. I don't have any talent. I don't have any gifting and stuff. Listen, you don't need it. You just need to be available. God has something for you to do. He says, you know, when Jesus started out in his ministry, uh, the first thing he did after he was tempted in the desert and he came back and he, de he defeated the devil in the, the desert by the tempter, he came back. And then he went out in ministry and the first thing he did was he formed a team. He got a group of people around him to do what God had called him to do. Uh, and it made me realise this is what church is about, isn't it? It says it's a group of people doing what God had called them to do, what God has called them to do. And no one-man ministry, no, no individual, no, no talent that we look up to and we say he's an amazing man of God. 
he says we're in reverence of him and we honour him and we we don't do that we do this he said this it was no solo ministry it was just team ministry if Jesus did it how essential and important is it for each and every one of us to find our place in the team that God has for us and the team is here is living hope team is the team that he has brought us all together here and how we find our place. See, Jesus, for three years, he did this. He invested everything he had in a team. The Bible knows nothing of solo ministry, only team ministry. It's the first thing he did that he went out and he gathered a group of men around him, the disciples, and he spent three years with them, training them, helping them to understand what he had come to do because they were going to carry on the task and the work after he had left them. He didn't go about it and say, I'll just do all this by myself. And then hopefully some people will be inspired by it. And the movie didn't. He gathered these fellas around him. And listen, they weren't easy. They weren't easy people because people aren't always easy. There's always a wee bit difficult. When you're working with people, that's what happens. And Jesus gathers these people around them. And it's a short space of time to teach them what he needs to teach them. Because team was so important. And you see, what we want to do as a church at the beginning of this year is move those people who are part of the audience into part of the army. Because we are an army. That's what we're saying, but we're an army. We are soldiers. We are fighters. We are in a battle. It says we are not called to be the audience, but we are called to be the army. And each of us has a part to play in the army. In Matthew 4, 18 to 22, it says this, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. Mending their nets, he called them and immediately left their boat and their their father, and they followed him. Here's the example of the calling of Jesus right at the beginning of his ministry to people who simply were just fishermen. They really had nothing else to offer, but Jesus saw something within them that says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I still think that's the way God looks at each and every one of us. That if we get that bit right, he makes something of our lives. He makes something of us. He says, when Jesus presents the demands of discipleship in the Gospels, uh, he breaks the church down into three groups of people. And we all fit into one of these. The first one is this, travellers. Those who are with Jesus for what they can get in return. There's no commitment, they're just happy for all the good stuff that comes along with it. Uh, And there's a modern day uh, version of that, isn't there? The people who are just travelling along. Maybe maybe the church hop, maybe they're just in one place and then another place. They're travelling and they're just with Jesus. They're just with him. They're just travelling along. The second group of people we see, and we see this here, that there are followers. Those who believe right, 
those who behave right in following Jesus, but there's very little action, nothing inconvenient or costly, just something that says, I'm doing okay myself. You know, taking a seat, and, and you know, and I do the church thing, and I don't do the stuff I'm not supposed to, and, and I'm following. I'm just coming along, but I don't want to do anything that's too inconvenient or too costly. Those messages the pastor preaches on sometimes about people giving up stuff or maybe people volunteering for things, it's not really me. I'm waiting for God to write it up in the clouds, and when he writes it up in the clouds, then I'll know it's me, but God's never going to do that, so I could just stay where I am as a follower. The third group of people is is, is the disciples. And if you read the Gospels, it's the same all the way through the Gospels. There's three groups of people. And everybody fits into all. These are those all out, committed to the discipleship, but also committed to making disciples as well. Not just being part of the process that just says, God, do all you can in me. But also that God had given them a purpose. And, and we see at the end of Matthew, don't we? When he sends the disciples out, he says, go and make disciples here he's telling him, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But Jesus at the end is saying, this is what's happened. You move from the follower to the disciples. And part of discipleship is this is, it's the growing that we have, but it's also the sharing our faith, but it's also finding the place to serve as well. See, when we come to following Jesus, it simply means that we have to leave some things behind. The biblical example is a Samaritan woman who left a jug. Matthew left his tax table. Peter left his boat. Blind Bartimaeus left his cloak to follow Jesus. When you're challenged with following Jesus, when you're challenged with moving from the audience to the army, something has to be left behind. It can't be something that you just fit in with everything else. It has to be something that you leave behind to say, I'm all in here. I'm going all out here. I am actually moving from a follower to a disciple. And what is it that I need to leave behind? You see, disciples make disciples. We're not here to get decisions. The longer you do this, you suddenly realise it's actually easy to get decisions. You play the right music and, and, and appeal to people's emotions and things like that. And suddenly you, you get decisions. But decisions is not what we want to be about. We want to be about disciples. Because disciples grow in their relationship with God. Disciples share what God has done in their life. But disciples also find their place to serve within the church. They find their place to serve and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I believe that God has called me to do. Decisions is okay. Decisions not knocking anything about decisions, but we can't just be decision orientated. We have to be disciple orientated. Whereby most people who go for the decisions, what usually happens is struggle because they only stay at the decision. They only stay at the decision and don't stay at the disciple, uh, move on to the discipleship part, which is the work that God is doing in their life, in the sharing and the serving and the growing. You see, somebody said this about discipleship. They said it's about inviting someone to the table, providing a feast and then teaching them to feed themselves so that they can prepare a meal for someone else. That's really the true definition of discipleship. Look what God has done in my life. God can do that in your life. Let me tell you about it. 
And, and that's discipleship. It, 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 it's the encouragement of prayer in your life. It's encouragement, the study of the word in your life. It's encouraging finding your place in the ministry and the mission that God has for you. You see, where we're at fault as leaders sometimes, and I thought about this, we've reduced the greatest calling upon a person's life in being part of God's plan to rescue lost souls to eternity just because we need volunteers. And you know what we do, and I'm guilty of this as I read this, what's the minimum we can expect from people? What's the absolute minimum? If we just get that minimum, then hopefully we'll get a few people over the line. Maybe we get a few people to volunteer and get involved and stuff. And that's not your fault, that's our fault uh, as leaders. That's our fault because we have set the bar far too low. And actually what we need to do is set the bar so high that we say, hey, listen, we're rescuing lost souls for eternity. If we don't do what we're supposed to do here, people will end up being lost for eternity, forever. So we need people to get involved in the ministry and the mission of living hope. And we've set the bar so high that people say, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. If it means driving the bus so people who don't know Christ yet can get to church, that's what I'm going to do. We set the bar so high rather than so low, which is, you know what, if I, if I can just maybe once a month, that, that's enough to tick the box. And that's not your fault, that's our fault because that's all we're asking you to do. Says so what we're asking now is we're setting the bar so high and to say we're about rescuing people. We're about saving people from a lost eternity. We're about fixing and helping and healing by pointing people to the person who is the fixer and the helper and the healer. And that's what we want to do as a church. It says that's what we want to do as a church. That's what it means for us to move from the audience to the army. And we want to be part of that army. See, the challenge for the, the fishermen was this, and we see it twice in three other verses that we read. They immediately left their nets and followed him. They immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. There's a response. It's a big response. But I realise it's a big response because Jesus is asking them a big question. He's saying, you come, I will make you fishers of men. He says, he doesn't promise them anything. He just promises them that. He doesn't say, well, this, this is what you'll get paid. This is what, you know, where you'll sleep tonight. This is how many square meals you get a day. Uh, this is the days off you'll get every week. Uh, this is the time that you'll get for yourself. He doesn't do any of that. He just makes his promise. He says, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And because Jesus asks a big question, he says, he gets a big response because they don't think about it. They look at it and say immediately, they left the nets, they left the boat, they left the family. He says to follow Jesus because they knew the bar for the calling on their life had suddenly been set so high they just wanted to be a part of what Jesus was doing. And I wonder if that's our heart tonight in church that actually the bar has been set so high 
so we can be a part of what God is doing because I believe God has got more to do in this church. I believe God has got more to do in this community. I believe that God has got more to do in our lives. And it says that's a challenge that, that we throw out this evening as we move from the audience to the army. You know, Jesus picked busy people. He picked people who knew hard work. You know the saying, somebody says, you want something done, give it somebody who's busy. Somebody who's got all the time in the world, because it never gets done, does it? He said, don't give it somebody else. He said, give it somebody who's busy. And, you know, because the reality is sometimes you want to be involved in ministry, serving. This is hard work. It's costly. It's challenging. It means coming early. It means staying late. It means putting out chairs. It means stacking chairs. I mean, really, we do that a lot in this church, don't we, when you think about it? I mean, we put out chairs, we stack chairs. I sit down at the Odyssey, and you know the way I have those chairs you just sort of pull out, and then suddenly there's 300 seats, and I wondered if we could get them here from the ceiling down and just make it so much easier. What we do is stack chairs, we put chairs. That's ministry. That's serving, because every chair is a person. Uh, every chair is somebody who could be sitting in it who doesn't know Jesus Christ there. Could be a chair to an event that we put on that they hear the gospel. And so we don't want to undersell ourselves in what God is calling us to do. We want to set the bar higher and say to ourselves, everything that we're doing now, we're moving from the audience to the army. We're moving from being part of just watching what goes on and, and, and people looking up to the front and saying, you know, well, you know, I want to be entertained. I, I want them to play the worship song that I like. And, uh, you know, I, wa I want to feel as though I'm going home from church and, you know, I've just been, it's just been a, a good night. You know, the, the, the worship music was uplifting and, and, and the pastor was funny sometimes. And, and that's what happens. And I feel, I feel good about that. And it's the wrong idea of church. We're, we're audience motivated rather than army motivated. That we're coming and we're saying actually we're lifted by the worship because we're believing in a God that's going to make a difference in this community. That actually is going to change people's lives who, who are lost, heartbroken, lonely, uh, addicted. All of those things that God has the answer for. And we're sitting here in church with it. And that's a challenge that we face, isn't it? It says, see, Jesus picks them not based on ability, but availability. And the journey he takes them on is this. He says, come and see. Come and follow. Go and tell. That's a journey he takes the disciples on, isn't it? Come and see. Come and follow. Go and tell. That's what church is about. Come and see what God is doing. How he's touching people's lives. How he's healing people. How people are going through some of the most desperate situations, that, that, whether it's to do with sickness, illness, provision, it doesn't matter what it is. And God meets their need. And we're part of that. It's why we applaud it, doesn't it? When people stand up and, and say, I went to the doctors and I, was, I, I got the all clear from cancer. You know, none of us sit there un, unmoved by that, do we? We don't sort of say, well, no, that's great, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's, you know, what we do we tell? Why? Because God is at work. He says the skepticals, skeptics will say, oh, you know, the doctors, no, no, listen. He says, God, whether he works through the medicine or by the miracle. He says, we know it's God. He says, when we hear people are saved. I mean, we had a prayer week before Christmas to pray for people to get saved. And two people got saved on the prayer week. 
He says, because God moved. And, and you know, and I, I love what we did at Christmas, but see the week of prayer. When we're in that room and we're praying and we're believing God to do a work, to do a move, to, to do something to save people, he did. He did it there and then. Because sometimes you pray, believing God's got to do it afterwards, but he did it there and then. He says, and that's what he means to be part of the army and not the audience because being part of the army though it's hard work it's rewarding it's being part of the calling of God upon our lives that we are called to do something something and and here we see our problem sometimes is we believe we're not qualified to serve you know it doesn't take a bible scholar to teach kids in kids church now before I put all the kids workers jump at me with, oh, you know, what I mean is this, I said it just means somebody who reads the Bible, understands the Bible, or wants to tell kids about it. And that's what it's about. Saying that's what about I me. Mean, you don't need to be a barista, I got that right, to serve coffee. You know, you just need to know how to add water to the coffee and stuff. Or if you make tea, ask Barry Telford, he knows the right number of tea bags, don't you, Barry? You don't have to uh, have a degree in theology to lead a small group. He says you just need to have a heart for people who are going through maybe a tough time and you find something in the word that encourages the people that are around the small group. You see, we've set our, our heart sights too high sometimes. So I have nothing to offer because I can't do this and I don't fit in there and I haven't been to Bible college and I don't... Listen, none of that matters. God takes our availability and he uses it he uses it to further his kingdom it's actually better when we're empty and we don't have anything to offer because we see the miracle of God working and thinking why on earth would God use people like you but why on earth would God use people like me he does it's for his glory not our glory not for us to say well look at me I preached a great message tonight everybody loved it 55 people asked for the recording at the door to help them sleep tonight. <laughs> the point is this. It says God works in us for his glory because he wants to do something. And I want to be part of a church where God is doing something and he's doing more than he's ever done. And so we're seeing more people saved and we're seeing more people released into ministry and we're finding more people who have found their place to serve and those people that says, I'm never able to do this. I can never stand up here and share a five-minute thought. And when you see people standing up here sharing that five-minute thought, aren't you overjoyed with that? When you work with young people and you see young people here who when they were teenagers, they used to put your head away. And you see them up here. Leading worship, not that the worship leaders used to put my head away, but some of them did like it. But anyway, but you see the work that God does in a person's life. He says, that, that's the joy of it, isn't it? We have complicated it as we move from the audience to the army. And God calls us beyond ourselves to love him first with everything we have, but then to serve him. He gives a challenge in 1 Peter 4 verse 10. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. It's biblical, as clear as anything. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's as clear as anything, isn't it? Us ticking the boxes just have nothing to offer. Yeah, he writes there, uh, 
Use whatever gift you have received. Your gift's not the same as mine. My gift's not the same as yours. But every gift that we have together clicks together for God to work in the church, to work here in living hope so we can be a part of what we're going to do. Finish with this, and this is just a challenge. How do, you, how do we move from the audience to the army? The four questions, uh, and you can answer these before the Tuesday night thing we do, serve, because I want people to do this. I want people to find the place to serve. The, the people to, to say, listen, you know what? I've sat on the sidelines for too long. I've been in the audience for too long. I, I've watched for, 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 for so long. I actually want to be part of what's going on and say, this is me now. God, I'm available. I don't have much to offer, but I'm offering. Here's the four things that you need to ask. The first one is this. Where is the need? Where's the need? But think about it and say, well, where's the need? What, what, are, we, what are we doing? So there's a church here with the, the, the charity stuff, food bank, furniture project, baby bank. That's just the practical need. There's a spiritual need as well. So we have to ask ourselves a question, where's the need? Can we meet the need? You know, you may have something, you think, well, I could do that. I, I, I could befriend somebody. I could go and visit somebody with the visitation team to encourage them, to help them, to, to bless them. He says, where is the need? And I could be part of the solution, part of the, the solving the problem, part of the reason why the church exists. Where's the need? I can get involved in that, I could do the need. The second thing, question you have to ask before we come on the Tuesdays, well, what's your passion? What is it that sort of burns within you that says, I love to do this? This is the thing. Everybody has something, don't they? Something that they love to do. We hope you find something in church that burns within you to say, I love to do this. Maybe some people, and it doesn't matter what it is, it just needs to be done. Now, some people who love doing the, the grounds, the maintenance, do all of that, you say, no, that's not me. Well, that's because you're not wired that way. He says, for some people, that's a passion. For some people, their passion is the kids' work. And they say to themselves, you know, I could do the kids' work all the time. I love kids. You know, maybe for some of you, you're like, I could think of nothing worse, do you know what I mean? Worst thing they ever did was when you couldn't slap the kids anymore, do you know what I mean? That sort of thing people say. But you find out where your passion is. And if you find your passion, you tend to find what your calling is. This is, is it teaching scripture? Is it comforting people who are lonely? Is it praying with people after church? It says, we have the space for you to fill your passion in there, to say, this is my passion. I love nothing more, than, not me, but love nothing more than, than coming alongside somebody who's having a difficult time. Actually, I do like doing that, I'm a pastor. But I'm somebody having a difficult time and just walking with them through that. And that could be your passion. It could be the need of the church as well. And you see, there are loads of things that people can do here rather than say, well, I'm, I'm not really a fine place. What's the third thing? What does not exist? This is an interesting one. What are we not doing as a church? It could be other things. Baby Bank is a classic, classic example of that. A few years ago, we heard about it up at a church in Ballysillen. And we thought, so we're going to go and check this out. It's not our idea, but it doesn't matter. He says, listen, the, the team that's on it, Lindsay and the team, they made it work. He says, because it didn't exist here. But it's become this incredible ministry that it's all over Belfast. He says, to, to, to refugees that arrive in the country, 
to those from the other community uh, for, for whatever, and they have been a blessing to that. I mean, it did not exist four or five years ago. So you may be sitting on something now and thinking, I think the church could do this, but we don't do it. You're thinking, that's a good thing, we don't do it. Maybe you need to come and say, Matt, we need to do this. You know, I think there's something there. Maybe it's something that we've missed. And you look at it and say, this doesn't exist at the moment. He says, maybe we could try and do this. And you see, the problem is sometimes is when people say that I think the church should do this, the old way of doing it was, Pastor, I think you should do this. And actually, we're not asking you to do that. We're asking you to come up with what doesn't exist and then make it, see how it can put into place and work. So you can serve the church and reach people. So it might be something that we're not doing. So it's those three things there. And the final one has, has become to finish is this. Who needs cared for? I mean, church is about people, isn't it? We, we, we worship God and we serve God. The expression of that is each other, isn't it? When we're not on an island on our own. People who say, well, I don't need church. Don't need people. Now, yes, you do. Let me tell you now, you do. All of us need people. Even the people that get on our nerves, we need them. Because God's doing the work in our life. That's where the fruit of the Spirit gets developed. But who needs cared for? Who needs looked after? Who, who needs visited? Who needs you to call and say, have you got all the bread and milk you need at the moment? You know, all of those things. And we're looking and saying, I've got nothing I can do. And yet we're throwing all these things out and saying, listen, this is a place that you can serve in the church as you move from the audience to the army. Because a lot of the time we're waiting for that right opportunity to drop into our laps and say, that must be God. And actually, I'm a great believer in this and I've practiced it myself and teach it. We, we work for the opportunity. We don't wait for the opportunity. And so I know we are stirred tonight by the message. Uh, you know, it's a challenging message, but it's supposed to be. Because it's where we are as a church, that we want to make a difference. We want to win people for Jesus Christ. We want to rescue more people from a lost eternity. And through everything that we do here, so when somebody does get saved, everybody rejoices because they were all part of it. Maybe you put the chair out, maybe you served them coffee. Maybe you invited them to church. Maybe you brought them down in the minibus. It wasn't just the preacher from the front. It was the other 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 people that were involved in it as well. That God said, that's the way church works. Everybody's doing something because they're not part of the audience watching what goes on. They're part of the army. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah? Some of you are not quite sure, but that's okay. With the whole year. <laughs> Listen, that's where we are. Just God wants to move us from the audience to the army so we can win more people for Him to do what needs to be done. The mission, through the ministry, through what God is doing here. Let's take a moment to pray just as the team comes up. Father, we come before you. Father, we, we pray, Lord, that, that we're not just moved tonight, inspired tonight, motivated tonight. We don't, we don't want to have those feelings to just say that that was a good challenging word. We want to be able to say, Lord, here am I. What do I need to do to move from the audience to the army? God, what do you have for me?
What is it that I could do? What's my passion? Where is the need? What don't we do yet? Who needs cared for? And everybody, Lord, in here has that availability. And God, we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart tonight, Lord. From us as the leadership down. From the people up. As we seek to serve you. To serve others. That God what needs to be done Father God. We will take on board tonight Lord. We thank you tonight Father God. Father you have done an amazing work in this church. And the lives of people in this church. Father whether it be over the last 50, 60 years. Father right up until the last 12 months Lord but Lord we believe that our best days Lord in you are ahead of us we believe that there is a community to be one those that are hurting those that are broken those who are addicted those who are seeking freedom and hope and purpose Father, all those things that can be found in you. Father, we are the bringers of those. We are the givers of those. As a church, your church. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.